one of the one of the things that uh, I think COVID changed in a lot of churches is um, online church. I read a lot about changes that are taking place in a, a post-Christian America and a, a post-pandemic like COVID um, as we're coming through that. And, and uh, church is one of the things that's changed greatly. A lot of people stopped going to church I guess you look around this room, you wouldn't know that about this crowd. <laughs> uh, but uh, the trends across America, that's what we're seeing. Others are going to church online. They're watching church uh, from people in different states and different places and around the world. And, and I, I think that is a, a, um, not necessarily a bad thing to watch things online. I know there's some that are watching online today, they, they really don't have a choice. They're, they're home and maybe some are sick and we have those that can't get out. We have a TV program here in Toledo and we have a lot of people that watch that program. And so I'm not saying that watching it is not a, is a necessarily a bad thing, but there's something about being part of a, a church body, a family where you know each other where you minister to each other, where you do life together, where you find help and you find counseling. And, and um, I thank God for our church. And I thank God for you. In Acts chapter 27, Paul is in a storm. And I've preached from this chapter. I preached through the entire book of Acts. I think it took me almost two years to do that on a Sunday morning. And... Um, Preach through every every verse, every chapter, every verse in the book of Acts. And I hope you don't mind when you do book studies like that. It's the, it's the Bible. If we don't go there, we'll go to another place in the Bible. We're always going to use the Bible. But I remember as I was preaching this a little while back, it was right in the middle of, of COVID, and I was in this chapter. And I was reminded this past week as I sat with Bob, Bob Williams again of another person in our church that's passed away. I look at a prayer list and I am reminded of so many people in our church that we, we pray for. I, through text, was texting back and forth with Mary Davison this week and, you know, we haven't seen them in, in quite a long time. But uh, they're part of our church family. And we're praying for them and we love them. And I'm excited to see God in his hand upon their life and, and uh, just what God's going to th do through Doug. And I think about all these that uh, over the last little while, they're dealing with sickness. And I think I mentioned this last week, and this is really what my mind went to this passage of scripture. When you... When you pastor at a place and it's longer and longer and longer every week, goes, makes it a little bit longer, turns into a month, month turns into a year, and then you, you see and you are able to experience people's lives with them, the hurts. And one of the things that you do as a pastor when you look across is, as I hear a song that's sung, I, uh, just the songs we sang even today, I think of... Your, your faces, your names, as they just scroll through my mind, and I think to myself, I'm so glad that that person in their trial and their storm, they experienced God. And probably as I was sitting here on the front row, just, just worshiping the Lord, but also just thinking about so many in our church family that are in a storm, that are going through life and I want, to, I want to preach today this message from Acts 27. And I want to preach on a ship in the midst of a storm. A ship in the midst of a storm. You know, at times in life, we are in seasons of sunny skies, beautiful surroundings, wonderful events. How many of you wish we were in a season of sunny skies today? Uh, yeah. Well, look on the bright side. You didn't get 22 inches of snow. 
some only got 12. <laughs> Other times we're, we're in a storm. In the thunder quakes and the skies are dark and the wind rages and we're in terrible storms. I know there's many in our church today, you're in a terrible storm. Now, I, I know we come in and we have a smile on our face and we, we try to act like everything is good, but we're in the midst of a storm. Uh, I think our country is in the midst of a terrible storm. I think the future of our children, I think about our son will be married here and nine months and one day later, he's going to be having a baby and... Not him, but he'll have a part in it. Grandkids will be coming into this world. It better be nine months in one day. <laughs> or I'll change my message right now to something else. But here Paul is, Paul is preaching on a storm and I know as we think about our future and we think about our children and our grandchildren and we, I've heard people say this, the, the world that my grandchildren are being raised in is totally different than the world that I was raised in. And I'm only in my 20s, I'm not that old, but the world that these, this generation is being raised in is very different than even the world that I was raised in. And I want you to remind you, as we look at Acts chapter 27, Paul is a prisoner on his way to Rome. Paul's on a ship. It's not a boat on a vacation. It's not a, vo a boat that he's on, that he's sailing to Rome to see the sights of Rome. This is not a pleasure trip. This is a, a ship where Paul is a prisoner. He's, a, he's captive. He has no choice. He's going to be placed on this ship. He's going to be taken to Rome. He's going to be tried there in Rome. And Paul is a prisoner. And, and many of us in the midst of difficulty, um, it, it, many of us see difficulty in every opportunity. But Paul, the apostle Paul, sees opportunity in every difficulty. Let me, let me say it again. Many of us, we see opportunity. We see difficulty in every opportunity, but Paul sees opportunity in every single difficulty. And there's a big difference. There's a big difference. Because one, you see God in every storm. In the other, you just see fear. And I want to remind you today, church, that we need to look for God in every storm. Every single storm, God has not forsaken you. He is ever present. And so Paul, they place him in prison. What does Paul do? Paul sings. Paul, Paul endures a horrible beat, beating by the Philippian jailer. And what does Paul do? Paul gives him the gospel of Jesus Christ and sees his entire family saved and then baptized. You see, Paul looks for opportunity in every difficulty. He looks for God and he looks for an opportunity to share Christ in every single opportunity. This past week, my son said to me this, he said, dad, there's a new person that came into our unit. He's in the Ohio National Guard. And he said, I, I, um, and I could tell there was something uh, that he was getting, getting ready to come to. He said, this this guy's brand new. He said, I was in San Antonio with him this, this past month. He was there for several days. He said, I, I was with him the entire day. He said, I sat next to him on the airplane on the way back from San Antonio to home, back to Columbus. And he said, Dad, I just found out he committed suicide this week. And I said to my son this, I said, son, that is why every opportunity you have to share Jesus Christ with someone, you take every opportunity. You share Christ. See, see opportunity in every difficulty. 
So Paul said this in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse number 14. Let me read it to you. He said this, Now thanks be unto God, which always causeth us to triumph in Christ. Paul had the right perspective, didn't he? He said this, we'll always thank God. God always causes us to triumph in Christ and maketh manifest the Savior of his knowledge by us in every place. Paul had the right perspective. And I think in every storm, we have to first start with the right perspective. Look with me in Acts chapter 27. And here's an entire chapter, entire chapter that the Holy Spirit of God leads Paul or leads Luke to pen as we're seeing in Acts, this entire chapter of this storm, details of this storm. But God allows every detail of this storm to be here in this passage of scripture. And I believe he has that there for us to see these details. The Bible doesn't say that Paul went to a storm. The storm lasted for a period of time. Now Paul finds himself in Rome. We see passages of scripture, verses here in chapter 27, that gives detailed explanation of the storm. In verse number 20, down through verse number 25, I'm going to read that with you. Paul uh, is, is in this situation. And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared, and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. This is where Paul finds himself. Luke is writing this passage of scripture. He's, he's the author of the book of Acts. He's there, obviously, with Paul. He's ministering to Paul. And there is other prisoners there. They're on the ship. And they come to this place. All hope is gone. And the, the consensus is this. We're not getting out of this. This is, this is the thing that's going to destroy us. This is the thing that is going to defeat us. All hope is gone. And I, I want to I give you several thoughts here. Sometimes, sometimes we get into the storms. Sometimes we get into storms that, that in life, they're just part of life. They're just part of life. In, in Matthew chapter 5, verse number 45 this is what Jesus said, that ye may be the children of your father, which is in heaven, for he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. And, and sometimes in life, no matter where you're at, no matter who you are, you say, I don't understand why if God loves me, why am I going through this storm? Sometimes, church, storms are just simply a part of life. It's because we're alive and we live in this old world, there's going to be storms. And you need to remember that because how you respond is vitally important. And I want you to know this. Every single person is going to go through a storm. So often we go through storms, we think, what did I do, God? Is God upset with me? Is God mad at me? What, what did I do? What is he trying to do? Sometimes it's absolutely nothing. You're just simply in a storm. This past week, all of us, that if you lived in the Toledo, greater Toledo area, you were in a storm. Whether you had a big house, a small house, you were in a storm. Whether you had a long driveway or a short driveway, you were in a storm. No matter where you lived, you were in a storm. Now, Wednesday, you didn't think that. <laughs> For all the kids we called off school, you're welcome. <laughs> storms happen to everyone. Storms hap not only happen to everyone, I, I'm reminded this. Sometimes we bring storms on ourselves. Have you ever been in a place where it's your fault? You did it to yourself. You brought the storm on. I'm reminded of Jonah. Jonah was in a storm. How many of you would agree Jonah was in a storm? But Jonah brought that storm on himself. God was said to Jonah, I want you to go and I want you to preach in Nineveh. And Jonah said, no, I'm going to go to Tarsus and I'm going to run from God as far as I can run. And maybe you're here today and you are running from God and you are not living the life that God desires for you to live. And maybe you're in a storm because of that. Again, you need to know that sometimes storms happen and there's nothing we can do, but other times we're in storms of our life and you put yourself there. 
It's because of decisions that you've made. It's because the Bible is very clear on how the child of God ought to live, and you choose to go against that. And I know, I know what some of you might be thinking. That, that doesn't make me feel very good. I just want to make sure I'm preaching the Bible to you. Sin may be pleasurable for a season, but it's payday someday. When you find yourself in that storm, the best thing that you can do in the midst of that storm is repent and turn back to God. Sometimes storms we bring on ourselves. Sometimes God sends us into storms for our betterment. And you say, well, why would God put me in a storm? Why would God put me in a place, a storm? If he loved me, couldn't he bring me to a better place some other way? And I want to remind you in Matthew chapter number eight, God put his disciples, Jesus said to his disciples, I want you to get into a ship and I want you to go to the other side. And a great storm arose and Jesus was just simply teaching his disciples that they can trust in him. I'm reminded of that storm when Jesus was laying there in that ship as they were in the midst of that storm and the disciples, they're doing everything they can in their own power to try to lighten that ship. They're, they're afraid, they're worried. Jesus is laying there in the bottom of that ship there as the storm is raging. And why did he allow them to go through the storm? Because Jesus rose up in the midst of that storm. He reached out his hand. He said, peace be still. He wanted to show his disciples he is the God of every storm. It was for their own good. You see, God was teaching them something because there was going to be an opportunity in a time later on in life where Jesus was going to ascend back into heaven after the resurrection and the disciples were going to be left there and their responsibility was going to be to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to the known world and they were going to suffer persecution. They were going to suffer hurt and Jesus wanted them to know that he has all power, that he has all authority, that no matter what happens in their life, he's always there and always with them. And sometimes God allows us to go through storms and it's for our development, for our good. And sometimes, sometimes we go through storms and we would have to admit we go through storms and it's because other people put us in this storm. Look with me in verse number nine of chapter number 27. Now, when much time was spent and when sailing was now dangerous because the fast was now already passed, Paul admonished them and said unto them, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not only of the landing of the ship, but also, or the lading of the ship, but also of our lives. Nevertheless, the centurions believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. And guess what happens? They end up in this great storm. Sailing, the Bible says in verse number nine, became very dangerous. And this ship should not sail. And Paul tried to tell them, hey, we're, in, we're now in this great season. We're in this great storm. And, and the captain, there's a, a showdown between the captain of the ship, the owner of the ship, and this, this religious fanatic, Paul. And the centurion believed the captain. And because of that, because he, the centurion believed the captain, they find themselves now in this, this storm called Eurachlodon. This storm now, as I read in verse number 20, it appears like all is going to be lost. Everyone is, is going to die. There's none that's going to be saved. That it was a utter loss. They can't believe that all of these lives are going to be destroyed. And this is where he finds himself. And I want, you to see, I want you to see something because all of us are going to find ourselves in the middle of these storms. And I want us to look at five ways, five ways here to make a bad decision in the midst of this storm. And I see this in this passage of scripture. Look with me, verse number nine. When, when much time was spent and when sailing was now dangerous because the fast was now already passed, Paul admonished them and said unto them, sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be hurt, much damage, not only 
unto the lading of the ship, but also into our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than the things which were spoken by Paul. And because the haven or the place that they were staying was not commodious or, or comfortable or, 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 or good for winter, the more part advised the to depart thence also, or the, the, the crowd, the majority of people said, let's just sail on. If by any means they might attain to Phineas, Phineas, and there to winter, which is a haven of Crete, and lieth toward the southwest and northwest. And so just very simply here in this passage of scripture, Paul says, let's not do this. This is not what we ought to do. Paul finds himself being dragged into a storm and it's not his storm. He's actually trying to give advice. He's saying, hey, this is not a good thing to do. And there are several circumstances here that we read in this passage of scripture that caused the owner of the ship, the centurion, those that are sailing the ship, it caused them to make this bad decision. And number one is this, when you're in a storm, don't make hasty decisions. Don't make hasty decisions. You know, so often we as human beings, we just want to get out of this storm. We just want to get out of the situation that we find ourselves in. And if we're not careful, the decisions that we make in this storm will only cause things to be worse. Now, how many of you ever made a hasty decision only to find out it was not a very good decision? Anyone? Yeah, we're all together in that. I know I have. Here, here they made a hasty decision. Many, many, uh, there's, there's time being wasted. And this is where they're at. They say this, there's, after much time of being there, now they realize, oh no, winter is coming and, and we need to make a decision very quickly. And so they make a decision very quickly. And many, many, many have now, because of a hasty decision, caused the storm to become worse. Many make hasty business decisions. Many get upset at work, and, and I talked to a fellow one time. He called and said, can I, can I talk with you? I said, yeah, and he, and he came, and he said, well, I want you to know I quit my job today. And I said, you, why'd you quit your job today? He said, because I just didn't like my boss, and this happened today, and I quit. And I said, so what are you going to do tomorrow? He says, I don't know. Is there anything at the church I could do? And I said, you've got yourself a problem. After many years of working there, you made a hasty decision. And then after he realized that was a pretty hasty decision, the decision was already made. So many people make a hasty decision to move or, or, or leave a church or, or a hasty decision that, that they make it in the midst of a storm. They make a hasty decision thinking, all right, I know I've got to make some decision, so let me just make a decision only to find out that that decision was not the best decision. I want to warn you, in the midst of storms, don't make decisions in haste. Wait on the Lord. I've never met someone that said I waited on the Lord and I waited too long. But I've met so many people that said I didn't wait on the Lord and I've made the decision worse. Church, if I could encourage you to do this, even in the midst of the storm, whether you've caused the storm for yourself or someone else caused it for you, learn to wait on the Lord. I'm reminded of David, King David. He comes to a place in his life and it just seems like all hope is gone. Just like Paul and those here on this boat, it seems like Saul is eventually going to kill him. Saul is after him. David is just one uh, uh, small lad in Israel. And here is the king and all of the king's army hunting David down. And David said this, surely, surely I'm gonna die by the hand of Saul. It's better for me to go into the land of the Philistines. And in that land of the Philistines, David became a very bloody man. David would go on killing sprees. And, and because of that killing spree that David would go on while he was in the land of the Philistines, God said of David, you can't build the temple because you're a bloody man. There's blood on your hands. I'm going to allow your son to build that temple. And I want you to see this. That's David because he was in a place of, of hurt because he was in a storm and he thought that Saul was going to kill him. He made a hasty decision to run into the land of the Philistines, the land of the enemy. And it cost him. 
Making hasty decisions in the midst of storms doesn't get you out of storms. It just gets you deeper into problems. I want you to see this as well. Look with me in verse number 11, as we just read. Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than the things which were spoken by Paul. There's a mistake that we make. We depend on worldly wisdom more than godly wisdom. Where do you go to for counsel when you're in the midst of the storm? When you're in problems in your marriage, who do you go to? The guy that's been divorced four times? Where do you go? Isn't it amazing who we listen to when in the midst of the storms? Here, here the, the centurion had a decision to make. He's faced with the captain of the ship, and he's faced with the apostle Paul, who's listening to the Lord, who's praying. And what does he do? He listens to this worldly wisdom rather than godly counsel. I want to warn you, in the midst of the storm, sometimes godly counsel doesn't seem like the best counsel because sometimes godly counsel doesn't give you the advice you want to hear. But don't neglect godly counsel in the midst of a storm. Here, this centurion said, I'll take what the worldly man has. And where did it end him up? It ended him up in this Eurachlodon. Would you write this down um, also? Take sometimes the bad decision we make. We, we want to get out of this storm so badly, we just take the easy way out. Look, look with me in verse number 12 again. And because the haven was not commodious to winter in, the more, the more part advised to depart thence also. You know what he's saying? It's not easy to stay here. It's not impossible to stay in this haven, but it would be easier if we left this haven. And so it would be easier. It wasn't comfortable there in the haven. And so in the midst of the storm, let's get out. And so often, if we're not careful in the midst of the storm, we just want comfort. And so we'll, we'll, we'll be willing to take a moment of comfort, moment of comfort that's going to lead us deeper into a storm. So often people will do this. They get in the midst of the storm and they turn to alcohol. They turn to drugs. They turn to some addiction. Because for the moment when they're involved in that addiction, it gives them some sense of comfort in the midst of that storm. And I want to remind you that that comfort is only there for a moment. It'll get you deeper. I think of, I think of this, this fellow that my son just met and spent time with, how he took his own life. And for some, and maybe you're in this room, and, and maybe you're thinking that suicide is the only way out. I want you to understand it may seem like it's the easy way out, but it leads to so much more and so much deeper in the storm for those you leave behind. It's not a way out. When we're in the midst of the storm, church, we don't always look and we shouldn't always look for the easy way out. We need to do what Paul did and we need to look for the God that's in the storm. I want you to see this as well. Number, number four, would you write this down? Uh, in verse number 12, the more part advised to depart thence. And, 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 and what that means is this. They, they took a poll. What do you guys think? All of the crowd said, let's get out of this haven and get out to sea and let's get down a little bit further before the, the winter comes and then we can, we can haven there in this other place, the southwest and the northwest uh, uh, side of the Italy there. So we won't get all the way to Italy, but we'll get closer to Italy. And, and so all of them take a poll and they followed the crowd. The more part advised... The crowd said, let's do this. 
And I want to remind you, back in the Old Testament, there were 12 spies that went into, into Jericho, and 12 of them came back, and two of them said, God's going to give us this land. And 10 of them said, Whoa, wait a minute, there are, there are uh, uh, giants in this land, and oh, it's a beautiful land, just like God said it. But I want to remind you that we are just grasshoppers in their uh, eyes. We are just a small group of people. Who are we? Just a bunch of slaves that came out of Egypt. And I, I'll tell you who you are. They were God's people. And God said, I'm going to give you this land. But instead of listening to God, they saw the problems. And all of Israel said, let's go with the 10. Let's go with the crowd. The people in Israel said, give us a king. And God said, that's not what I want for you. I want you to worship me. And they said to Samuel, give us a king. And, and Samuel said to the people of Israel, why do you want a king? Let's just worship God. Don't you know that a king is going to come in? He's going to tax you. He's going to take your children. He's going to make them servants. Why do you want a king? And the people said, give us a king. And they got what they were looking for. I remind you, Jesus, before Pilate, he was placed in Pilate, washes his hands and says, I find no fault in him. And the people said, crucify him. He says, I'll give you, I'll give you Jesus or uh, uh, Barabbas. And the people said, free Barabbas, but crucify Jesus. He, Pilate went with the crowd. I talked to so many parents and oh, listen to me just for a moment, parent. Don't let the crowd of your, of your children's peers pressure you into making decisions how to raise your children. I've talked to parents and they'll say this. My kids will say, well, so-and-so has a phone. And I told my kids, every time you say so-and-so has a phone, it's one more year you don't get a phone. I've got one of my kids, they're not getting a phone until they're 30. They didn't learn their lesson. What, the, but, but, but so-and-so has it. And if we're not careful, even in parenting, we'll give in to things because the crowd is putting the pressure on. Oh, listen to me. We don't follow peer pressure. We follow the word of the Lord. Parents, don't follow peer pressure in raising your children. Follow the word of the Lord. Listen to me. Trials are going to come. Hurt is going to come. Heartache is going to come. And, and then don't do this. This is number five. Just depend on the circumstances. Acts 27, verse number 13 says this. And when the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, loosing thence, they sailed by, close by Crete. Circumstances. Here, the south wind blew softly. And they were like, oh, look. Just depend on circumstances. The wind blew. It must be right. Listen, I've had people say this. Well, I'm going to do this. And I, I've just said, all right, Lord, I'm going to do this. And if you don't want me to do it, then just don't let me do it. And, and the Lord didn't stop me. Listen to me. Just because the Lord didn't stop you doesn't mean he doesn't want you not to do it. You're depending on circumstances. How about this, Lord? I'm not going to move until you show me what to do. I'm not going to go anywhere until you show me what to do. We don't depend on circumstances. The wind is going to turn from this soft wind, this soft blowing wind, to a storm of a lifetime, a great storm called Eurachlodon. We don't just depend on circumstances. Listen to me, church. We don't have to depend just on circumstances because we have the Holy Spirit. I don't aimlessly walk through life. Whatever life brings me today, I'm just going to take it. No, I've got the Spirit of God. I want to know, God, what do you want from me today? Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? Who do you want me to tell the gospel to? What do you want me to say every conversation I have? Lord, what is your will for this? We need to stop depending upon circumstances that just come across us in life and start realizing God has a plan and God has given you the Spirit of God to live inside of you to direct you and to guide you. Stop making decisions in life just because. And let's start making decisions in life because the Spirit of God is leading us. 
Christians, we need to know the difference. We need to know the difference. I think that God is, 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 it wants to be intricately involved in every decision you're making in your life. And so we need to be careful in the midst of storms how, how we respond. Let me just close with this. I see how Paul responded to these storms. Look with me in chapter 27 again. In verse number 22. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer. For there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul. Thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Paul reminded the people that I belong to God. But he also did this. He remembered this. God has a plan. Paul says, you know what? I'm, I'm going, I was reminded, you're going to Rome. Remember Paul, this is before this, this, this storm even happened. Paul was given a task that you were going to go and you are going to give the gospel to Caesar. You're going to stand before kings. You're going to stand before governors and you're going to preach the gospel. And Paul is reminded God has a plan for your life. And I want you to understand this church, no matter what storm you find yourself in, the storm doesn't alter God's plan for your life. God is still in control. So often we get ourselves in a storm and we wonder, God, where are you? Why are you allowing this? God's plan for you hasn't changed. Every time something might happen, every time a situation happens in your life, it's not time for you to jump ship and, say, and, 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 and move on. Every time there's an issue or a disagreement or a problem in my marriage, it's not time for me to say, well... All right, God, I know back there, back in, way back in the 90s, <laughs> when, when you told me to, to marry her, I guess that was your will, but it's changed now because there's problems. I'm going to find a new one. All right, God, you called me to Monclova Road Baptist Church, and, and Walter's, he's mad at me, so maybe I'll find a new church. We don't run every single time there's a problem. We don't, we don't leave every time there's a problem. You know, we remember that God still has a plan. God still has a plan for your life. You might be in a storm at work. You might be in a storm at home. You might be in a storm in your life. You might be in a storm at church. You might be in a storm. But I want you to still serve God because God is a mighty God and he's worthy of our service. Don't quit in your storm. Nowhere will you find in the Bible that God brought a storm in someone's life for them to quit. This storm, even though Paul didn't do it to himself, he was placed in this storm. God still used this storm for his good. And I want to remind you, the Bible still says, for all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. Your storm, God will and can use if you let him. I know for us, we say, let's get out of this storm. I said to my wife just this week, and I think I even said to a church member as I talked to someone yesterday, I don't want to do another funeral. And it's not that I'm running out of funeral messages. I don't want to sit with another family that's crying and mourning and grieving over someone they love. I sat with Bob this past week and I said, Bob, how are you sleeping? He says, I'm sleeping good. He, I said, how, how are you doing? He says, I just miss her. I just miss her. 60 some years of your life with the same person, they become your best friend. 
it's not that I don't want to take another day. I've got more important things to do. Comes a place where you just don't want to see people you love hurt anymore. But you know what I realize in this body? There's going to be death. There's going to be hurt. There's going to be disease. There's going to be pain. There's going to be broken relationships. There's going to be heartache. There's going to be wayward children that are running from the Lord for a period of time. There's going to be a husband at times or a wife at times that doesn't honor their, 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 their vow to each other and vow, or vow to God, and they're going to go astray. But we're not going to give up on God. And we're going to let God use every storm in our life for his glory and for his honor because he's worthy. The storm does not mean that God doesn't love you. The storm is there. And let God minister to your heart and let God care for you and let God reveal his will for your life. Even in the midst of a Eurachlodon. Would you bow with me in prayer? Father, Lord, I know who I preach to today. Many in this room, they have cried many a tears in the midst of their storms. Many have thought the same thing that is said here in Acts, all hope is gone. Many wondered if tomorrow the sun's going to rise. And for some, Lord, they almost wished it didn't. But Lord, as we sang, you are on your throne. And you are God. And as you revealed to your disciples that you are the God of every storm, that you can stand in the midst of a raging storm and just simply say, peace be still. And the waves and the wind listen to your voice. And so God, in the midst of storms that we're facing, we want to know you greater. We want to know your voice. We want to touch from your hand. We just need to know you're there. In the midst of Paul's Eurachlodon, when all thought was lost, he heard your voice. An angel from God came and ministered to him and spoke truth. And so, God, I pray right now, whoever it may be in this room that's battling a storm, I pray that your spirit would minister to them, would speak truth in their life, point them back in the direction of heaven. Cause them to see that you are a God that cares, and a God that loves. For so the many in our church, Lord, that have buried someone that they love over this last little while, speak truth into their life today. Minister to them. For those that are battling cancer, battling sickness, disease, I think of so many Doug Davison and so many, Lord, we have just been praying for and praying for, earnestly praying for. I pray even right now that your spirit would speak to Doug and remind him that he belongs to you. To the couple right now who's battling in their marriage, who's not sure if it's going to make it work, Holy Spirit of God, I pray right now that you breathe, you speak into their ear and their heart today that they belong to you. That this storm may seem unbearable, that you are God and you can heal. Maybe to the parent that's got a wayward child, maybe to the child that hasn't spoken to their parent, to the siblings that aren't speaking, to the family members, Lord, that are having difficulty in their life. Lord, I pray right now that your spirit would speak to them, minister to them, remind them that you're there. Remind them that there's hope. Remind them that you are God. 
care. So Spirit of God, we thank you that you always speak truth, that you're always guiding us and pointing us back to Jesus Christ. Jesus, we thank you for the wonderful salvation that you've given to us. Thank you for being in our intercession. Thank you for taking our request into the throne room, into, your, into our Father. And thank you, Lord, for loving us. And Heavenly Father, we thank you. We praise you and we worship you. We honor you. And we pray that our lives would count for heaven's sake. So, Lord, we pray that you would deliver us. We pray that you would sustain us. But, Lord, more more importantly, we pray that our lives would count for your glory and your honor. And we praise you and we exalt you. And we love you and we pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And all God's people said, amen. Amen, church, you are dismissed. at rest I and my Savior am happy and blessed watching and waiting looking above filled with his goodness lost in his love
See you. 